0: What's up everybody, my name is Shane Kohler and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here where each week I'm sharing true to life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the living relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. So Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. As always, Shane Kohler here. I am your host, and it is a pleasure to be back here with you today. Um, So For those of you who uh, are maybe new to the podcast, welcome. Great to have you on here. Those of you who are longtime listeners and coming back week after week, thank you. I appreciate your loyalty and you just staying connected to the work and, and doing the work on yourselves. I think that is amazing. Um, In today's episode, uh, I thought this would be a great follow-up to last week where those of you who um, were with me last week, I was talking about how to not obsess in the early stages of dating. And I thought a great follow-up to that would be to discuss the natural timeline of a conscious relationship. And so I developed this framework quite a few years ago, I mean, probably close to five years ago now. And the reason I really put this together was because I was getting a lot of questions. People were asking like, what should I expect? You know, when is a good time to take it from casual to committed, you know, like when is, when is the time when you have that conversation or, you know, at what point should we expect to be like in a real relationship? And I was getting a lot of these questions and I I really sat down and I looked at the experience of myself and my wife. I looked at the experience of my successful clients, you know, the ones who have really found that special someone and are living that dream now. Um, I looked at the relationship between some of my close friends and colleagues, and and how their relationship unfolded. And what I realized by looking at all these different relationships, and and these, you know, these were not just people who were just hooking up, right? And I think it's important to say that because relationships can unfold all kinds of different ways when they are gone into unconsciously. And I'd say 90% of relationships in the world are gone into unconsciously, right? Like most people, when they get connected, they don't get connected because they've had a really clear intention about what they're looking for. They've been connected to it for a long period of time. They've been consciously inviting that into their life. They've been preparing for it. They've been patient. They've been doing the self-work, right? Like that is not the way that most people start relationships, and it's important to say that because what I'm going to talk about today, I'm talking specifically about people who begin relationships consciously. And so for, for people who don't begin them consciously, what, like what most people are doing is most people are just kind of, Ram Das put it like this. And if anybody, um, if anybody knows Ram Das, he's one of the great spiritual teachers of our time. He's made a huge, profound impact on my life. Um, I'd say like so much of how I understand life comes directly from what he taught, but what Ram Dass said, and this landed for me so much when I heard it is, is he said that, you know, we operate like hungry ghosts and it's like, we just, we feel so empty and, and we're just trying to like grasp at love. We're just trying to get some love to fill us up. But the, the thing is, is like, we're like ghosts. And so we get a little bit of love, but we can't really hold on to it. It just goes right through us. And so we're clinging for more and more and more love. And no matter how much love we get, it's never really enough. And and this leads to feelings of disappointment, frustration, desperation. You know, it leads to the feeling disillusioned by someone when you meet someone and you think they're amazing and you go, oh my God, I found the one. And then six weeks later you go, how could I possibly think this was the one, right? Well, it's because you are getting some love from that person. But the love that they were giving you was never enough. And so you you just you needed more and more and more. And ultimately the relationship became unfulfilling. And so most relationships, I would say, or most connections, are made from this place of kind of being like a hungry ghost, right? Where it's like I just I feel empty, I feel a sense of like loss and and desperation. And I'm kind of clinging to whatever love I can find to try to fill me up, to try to make it better. And when when you begin relationships like that, or when you seek relationships like that, they're going to show up all kinds of different ways. I mean, like, you know, from this place, I've seen people get married two weeks after meeting each other. And... I, I get it. Like, I always say that. And, and some people are like, I married my husband two weeks after I met him, and we've been married for 40 years. And it's like, okay, good for you. Like, that's awesome. But 90% of the people, 99% of the people who get married after two weeks are divorced again two weeks later. Okay, so I'm glad it worked for you. But don't go telling everybody to do that because it's really bad advice, right? So, so you know, from that place, if you're if you're approaching love as like a hungry ghost, you're you're going to have relationships show up all kinds of different ways, right? It's going to happen fast. It's going to happen slow. It's going to be really hot and heavy commitment. And then it's going to be a crash and burn, or it's going to be, I'm I'm clinging and clinging, but there's never any commitment. I'm just kind of waiting around endlessly for this person. And, uh, you know, like from one extreme to the other and everything in between, it can show up all kinds of different ways. But this is what I've found with people who are actually doing the work consciously is that when someone is doing the work consciously, and what do I mean by consciously? I mean, they know what they're looking for, right? They have a clear intention, and I don't just mean, you know, six foot tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, six pack abs, drives a nice car, has a good job. Like, I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about, like, you know the qualities of the relationship you want to have. You know how you want to feel in the relationship. You 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 know how you want your partner to treat you you have an idea of how your connection will be with each other of the ways you'll spend time together of the ways you'll speak to each other the ways you'll treat each other right like you have you have a clear vision of this relationship which actually going back to last week's conversation this was a big part of what i was talking about last week one of the one of the biggest ways to not obsess in the early stages of dating is to have a clear vision for love that you're connected to right so So if you have that vision, you're connected to it, you're intentional about it. And when I say intentional, I mean that when you meet someone, you're not just clinging onto them like a hungry ghost, but you're actually keeping a healthy detachment from that person, and you're measuring them up against your vision. And you're saying, does this person have the potential to live into the vision of a relationship that I have committed myself to? Right. So so instead of just clinging on to someone like a hungry ghost, you're actually like sitting back and being patient and seeing the relationship unfold and measuring the relationship up against your vision. Right. So there's there's a when you're approaching it consciously, there's a patience about it. There's a I'd say a a quality of discernment where you're like you're not an easy sell. Right. Instead of someone comes along and says, you're so pretty and and I want to be with you. And you're like, Oh my God, finally someone wants me. Right. Instead of being like that, it's more like, Okay. You think I'm pretty and you want to be with me. Awesome. Let me figure out if I want to be with you. Right. So it's like, you need to convince me. I'm not an easy sell. I'm not just going to fall over myself to be with you just because you said you liked me. Right. So there's, these are some of the qualities of someone who's approaching a relationship consciously. And I would say one of the biggest parts of it is when you approach a relationship consciously, you're doing the inner work, right? So you have an awareness about your attachment tendencies or, you know, what people call your attachment style, right? You have an awareness about how you relate in relationships. You have an awareness about your trauma, your triggers, the things that activate you. You have learned how to be with that stuff, right? So when you get triggered, when you get activated, instead of just flipping out You've learned how to like be with yourself in those moments, how to communicate with your partner. This is all part of approaching a relationship consciously. And and I, I, that's not really the topic for today. So I don't want to go too much into that. But what I want to just say is that when someone is approaching a relationship consciously, or let me, let me say this, when two people are both approaching relationships consciously and they find each other. Okay, so there's person A over here, person B over here. They've both been doing the inner work. They both have a clear vision of the relationship they want. They're both patiently waiting. They're both being discerning about who they end up with and how they end up with them. Right? These are two people in their own worlds that are doing the work, that are approaching relationships consciously. And then they meet. Okay, when these two people meet and they they make the connection and, and they... You know, ultimately end up together, there is a certain timeline that their relationship is going to unfold along. Now, this is not a hard science, okay? So the, the benchmarks I'm going to give you along this timeline, feel free to add sometimes a few weeks or a few months one way or the other, even a few years in certain cases, okay? So I'm, I'm not going to say that these are hard and fast rules, but I'm going to give you a, a framework here. So you have a realistic expectation about what to expect, because the, the thing is, is, and I, I hear this so much from so many people is there's this really unrealistic expectation that you're going to meet someone. And within a few weeks, you're going to be in love with them. You're going to be committed and you're going to be riding off into the sunset, living, living happily ever after. And like, let me just say, if if that's happening that quickly, You've got to realize you are operating over some really important stuff, and it is going to catch up with you down the road. So you should not, like, actually, like in a healthy way, you really should not be moving into a relationship that quickly, okay? It should not be a matter of weeks. It should be a matter of months, and again, in some cases, even a matter of years. And so I'm going to break that down for you today and kind of help you understand what this all looks like. So to start, I want to say there are three phases that I've outlined in this framework. The first phase is what I call the discovery phase. The discovery phase is no commitment. The discovery phase is there is absolute freedom to get to know each other without any expectation about what the other person is going to do right? There's no trying to push this person into a relationship. It's just complete freedom. Let's get to know each other. You, you're free to stay. You're free to go. I'm not pushing any expectations on you. It is just like, let's have some freedom to get to know each other. That's the discovery phase. Now, the second phase is what I would call the building phase. The building phase has like a medium level of commitment. And that medium level of commitment is where it's like, okay, we've established that there is real interest here. We've established that we want to be together. We've established that we see the potential, that we're excited about the potential. We have feelings for each other. We want to explore those feelings. You know, we like, like all of that, right? So there's, there's a, a medium level of commitment. It's like, it's like, okay, we're, we are, we've established that there is interest. There is desire. We do want this. And now we're putting in the work together to see if we can actually last long-term. The third phase is what I call the commitment phase. And the third phase is, this is where I would say, and excuse me, it, it can look a little bit differently for different people, right? Not everybody wants to get married, not everybody wants to have children, not like, so it can look differently for different people. But I would say the commitment phase is where you do things like you ask someone to marry you, you move in together, you start, you know, if, if you want to plan a family or something like that. But but what the commitment phase is characterized by is the long-term commitments, okay? So it's like it's like we're making a, an agreement really. It, when you enter into the commitment phase, it's like you make an agreement that we are going to be together long-term. Right? This, this isn't just us hanging out. This isn't just us getting to know each other. When we go into the commitment phase, we are actually agreeing with each other that this is going to be a long-term thing. This is going to be a lifetime thing that we want to build a life together. So in order to get to the commitment phase, you need to go through the discovery phase and the building phase. And if you jump over those first two phases into the commitment phase, what I want you to know is that your commitment is not real. It's not, it might feel real in the moment. You know, there might be a lot of feelings behind it. You go, Oh my God, I've never felt like this and I want to be with you forever. And like, it might feel very real, but you've got to understand that you haven't done the work in the relationship to actually have it be real. And what happens is, is when you bypass those first two phases and you jump into the commitment phase without really doing the work in those first two phases, all the things you skipped over in the beginning are gonna come back and bite you in the ass later on. And now some couples rise to the occasion when that stuff comes back and bites them in the ass and they say, no, 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 we really wanna be together. And so they do the work anyway and they last. And that can happen. What happens for most people is when all that stuff comes back to bite them in the ass, they become disillusioned about the relationship. They say, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I was looking for. This isn't what I want. And you're not who I thought you were. And you duped me or you lied to me or you tricked me or, or you presented yourself as something other than what you were. And, and they end the relationship or they walk away from it. That's what happens most of the time. So you know, again, I, I see some people I mentioned this earlier, but people are like, I met my husband and we got married a month later and we've been together for 35 years and we're happier than ever. And it's like, okay, great. You're one of the exceptions, right? It's awesome. You know, I, I'm positive that stuff came back to bite you in the ass. I'm positive because it couldn't not, right? But but you rose to the occasion, you did the work, and you figured it out with each other. That's amazing. Like, good for you. But as overall, that's not good advice. Right. It's not good advice to like tell people to jump into like high levels of commitment with each other when you barely know the person. And so what is really needed and what I want to, I want to share this with you because some of you might be in the early phases of getting to know someone right now. Some of you might be six or eight months in with someone. Some of you might be even a few years in with someone. Some of you might be single and you're dating and, and like looking for a partner, but wherever you are, I want you to be able to accurately assess where you are in the stages and be able to like consciously accept where you are so that you can work with where you are rather than feeling like you need to be somewhere else or wishing that you were somewhere else or trying to push to be somewhere else. Because those are the things that actually destroy a relationship. So let's go through each of these phases one by one. And I want to really break them down with you, like what each phase looks like, how much time you want to spend in each phase. you know. If you're, if you're getting like, too far beyond the timeline, but you're not graduating into the next phase, that's cause for concern. So let, let's, just, let's talk about all this stuff, because there's a lot to cover here. So we'll start with the discovery phase. And the discovery phase, I say, is zero to three months. Now, some people graduate the discovery phase in six weeks. Some people graduate the the discovery phase in four or five months. Okay, so again, these are are general timelines. This is not a hard rule. It depends a lot on how often you see each other, how regularly you talk, if you're seeing other people, or if you're only seeing each other, right? So there, there are a lot of factors here. There's a lot of nuance. But let's put it this way. Let's say you met someone there was strong interest on both sides. You were both in a place where you were actually ready for a relationship, right? Like you were both in a place where you were ready for a high level of commitment. You, you both wanted that, okay? And, and now you meet each other. And let's say maybe you're not dating anyone else, right? Maybe you're only seeing each other. And let's say you hit it off really good. And you start talking, you know, maybe daily, maybe you talk every night on the phone, maybe you're texting regularly throughout the day, or at least, you know, on a regular basis, you're in communication, you're going on regular dates at least once or maybe twice a week, right? So you're, let's say from the beginning, you're very connected, right? Which I I think most people would think that was ideal, right? Like that's what most people want. Doesn't always happen that way. And I also want to say, if it doesn't happen that way, it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just a different way of it happening but but let's let's just say for example that it does happen that way from the beginning, you're pretty connected there's a strong interest you're talking on a regular basis. This is how it was with my wife right So when I met my wife we were we were long distance but she had been down in Florida where I lived for the weekend and we we ended up spending a whole weekend together we really hit it off we connected um, then she went home to New Jersey the next day and and we we talked on the phone that night. We talked every night after that. We texted throughout the day, right? So we were pretty connected from day one. Now, if that is if that is how it goes, you could probably get through the discovery phase in about six weeks, which I'd say is about how long it took for me and my wife. Um, if it's if you're less connected than that right? Let's say you're talking on an irregular basis. Maybe you check in a couple times a week. Maybe you go on one date a week or one date every other week, right? Maybe you're actively seeing other people. And as you get to know each other, the other people kind of fall away and you grow more and more into relationship with each other, right? This is another way it could look. So if it looks like that, it's probably not going to happen in six weeks. It's probably going to happen in three months or even four months or five months. Okay. So it's not, Again, this is not a hard timeline, but I I want you to start to feel into that it's not going to be like you meet someone and you're suddenly in a relationship with them because what the discovery phase is really about, the discovery phase is about the freedom to get to know each other without expectation. One of the biggest ways that you sabotage relationships is by meeting someone and wanting to be in a relationship with them right away before giving them the opportunity to get to know you and decide for themselves if they want to be in the relationship, right? This is, I think, probably the number one way that people sabotage relationships. And then they go, oh my God, he didn't like me and I'm such a loser and why doesn't he like me? And truth is, he probably liked you just fine. You probably just came on too quickly. You wanted a relationship too fast. He didn't feel like he had enough of an opportunity to get to know you and he was like, "I can't be that serious at this stage." Right? So it is it's very important to mentalize yourself that you're going to that you're going to give someone at least 3 months to get to know you. Maybe even 4, maybe even 5. I wouldn't I wouldn't like if it starts getting into 4, that's like kind of st- scary territory there. If it starts getting close to five, I'd say if, if you're not moving beyond the discovery phase by the fifth fifth month, like this relationship probably doesn't have much potential. But again, these are these are general guidelines. So the discovery phase is about the freedom to get to know each other without expectation. It's like, listen, I'm not pushing anything on you. You're not pushing anything on me. I'm not expecting you to want to be with me. I'm just having a good time spending time with you, sharing some stories with you, you're sharing some stories with me. And yes, during the discovery phase, it is completely appropriate to talk about what you want. So please understand me here. I'm not saying that during the discovery phase, don't even mention a relationship, pretend like you're totally cool with something casual. I'm not saying that. It is totally, totally okay to say to someone, I am looking for something long-term. You know, it's totally okay to let someone know the reason I'm talking to you is because I want a long-term relationship and and I'm I'm spending time with you right now to see if we have any potential for that. Like, it, it it is okay to communicate those things to someone. I'm not telling you to pretend that you want something you don't want. I'm not telling you to be inauthentic. I'm not telling you to play games. I'm not telling you to do anything weird or crazy like that. It's totally okay to talk about what you want The difference is, is you're communicating about what you want, but you're not expecting that person to be the person, right? So you might say, I'm totally looking for a relationship. I'm looking for my life partner. I'm looking for my husband. I'm looking for my soulmate. I'm looking for a long-term commitment. Like I I ultimately want to have that dream, that family, that home, that white picket fence, whatever that is for you, right? Your, Your vision may be different and that's okay if it's different. But whatever your vision is, you're telling that person what your vision is. And you're also making it clear that you are by no means expecting them to be the answer to that vision. I'm not expecting you to be this for me, but I do want you to know if this goes beyond a few months, if we're, if we're, if we're together, you know, beyond the next few months and we keep moving forward beyond that point, like this is where I'm expecting it to go but we have this period of a few months to spend some time together to share some stories to share some laughs to share some experiences to have some fun and at the end of that we can both have the absolute freedom to say listen this has been great i'm not feeling what i'm looking for here and you want to you want to authentically give the person that freedom to make that choice and you also want to give yourself the freedom to make that choice. Meaning during the discovery phase, not only are you letting them know it's totally okay for them to leave, but you're also reserving your own right to leave. And, and, and I don't just mean with them, like, by the way, I'm going to leave if I want to. I don't mean it like that. I mean within your own heart, within your own mind, right? You're not getting too attached during the discovery phase. You are keeping yourself in a place during the discovery phase where you could let go if you need to, where you could release this relationship if you need to, right? It is so important that you don't become over attached or or like, you know, it's so important that you don't start future tripping and just, you know, imagining your whole life together when you've only been seeing each other for a few dates or a few weeks, right? So that's the discovery phase. Now there are a few criteria that I would say graduate you from the discovery phase. And basically the discovery phase ends when these few criteria are established. So what are they? The first one is establishing that you both want something long-term, right? You both want something long-term. So like, and, and this could honestly be established on the first date or the first couple of dates or your first few phone calls right? You, you can establish that we both want something long-term. We're not casually dating. We're not just hooking up. We're not just fooling around. We're not just seeing where it goes, right? We, we actually, we both do want a real long-term relationship. Ultimately, again, I'm not saying that I'm expecting you to be the answer for that. I'm just, we're just communicating that, hey, we're both on the same page that ultimately in the long run, we would like to find our long-term special someone soulmate, whatever you want to call that. Okay. That's the first criteria. The second criteria in the discovery phase is that you communicate the authentic, how do I don't want to say this? It's like, it's not that I'm expecting you to be that person, but it's that we both agree that we see that potential with each other. Okay, so number one is just in general, we want something long-term. Number two is we both authentically see the possibility that you could be that long-term person. That's the second criteria. The third criteria is that we make the decision to try to build that together. And I would say maybe this is a fourth criteria actually or or maybe it just kind of blends in with one of the others but a part of that is that at that point you become exclusive right and i would say exclusivity is one of the it's one of the signs one of the clearest signs that you are ready to move on beyond the discovery phase now there's some nuance here and i think this is important because just being exclusive Doesn't mean that you've graduated the discovery phase if those other criteria have not been established. Because what I see a lot of, what I see a lot of people doing is they become exclusive, but they become exclusive with no real intention to build something with each other. And this is, this is a big trap actually, because I see a lot of people who sincerely want a long-term relationship. And they find someone who is willing to be exclusive with them. And the person is like, and I'll be honest, like I'm not, I'm not particularly proud of this, but I have been this person in the past. And I did it because like, honestly, I didn't know any better. Like it, it was just, I hadn't learned these things. I hadn't matured enough. And so like, I remember in certain situations, like some of my past relationships, like there were, there would be someone that I would be dating and we would be you know, getting to know each other and and we'd be spending some time together and it got to a certain point where it's like, okay, we've been seeing each other regularly for a few months now. I don't have any long-term intention with this person, but it's gotten to a point where like, okay, if we're, if we've been together and we're going to continue being together and we're not going to call it off at this point, like it, it, it just makes sense that we be exclusive. It just makes sense that we have a kind of relationship, even though. In my heart, I never sincerely saw long-term potential with that person. And like, this is this is a big trap that you don't want to fall into is don't just take someone saying, okay, yeah, we can be exclusive. Okay, yeah, we can be boyfriend and girlfriend. Like, don't take that as a complete answer that this person is ready for long-term commitment. They might just be comfortable with the casual thing you have going, and they're not ready to break it off yet. right? Does it, I want to make sure everybody gets that. So if you get that, just tap that hard a few times. I want to make sure everyone gets that. Because all these criteria are necessary, OK? So you have to establish that you both want long-term commitment. You have to establish that you both see that long-term potential with each other. And then you have to establish that you you want to sincerely work on that together, And a part of that decision is like, okay, we're going to work on that together. We're going to be exclusive. We're going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. We're going to make this commitment, right? It needs to be all three of those criteria. Now, once you've established all three of those criteria, now you have exited the discovery phase and you're into the building phase. Now, like I said, with with myself and my wife, I would say we entered the building phase probably about six weeks in. It was it was very easy to establish those three criteria for us but it's just because we were both in the right place we both wanted it we weren't wasting any time and we were just like yeah like let's let's see what we have here let's explore this so then you enter the building phase and the building phase is a period of I want to say it can be a period of great uncertainty. And this is one of the biggest misconceptions is because I think people feel like, you know, there's a general recognition in, I think, our collective consciousness. Like there's a general recognition that there needs to be some kind of discovery phase, right? Like even though though people try to rush it, and they try to lock it down as fast as they can. Like there is, there is a general recognition that I can't just expect commitment right out of the gate. I need to give this person an opportunity to get to know me. But I think the biggest misconception that people have about dating and, and getting into a committed relationship is that they think as soon as you exit the discovery phase, you are in the commitment phase. And I would say like honestly, and some of you aren't going to like hearing this, the commitment phase comes about a year later. So between the time you exit the discovery phase and you enter the commitment phase, there's this whole period of time that I call the building phase, where you're, you're actually like, you don't know where the relationship is going. You're figuring out where the relationship is going. This is a period of time that requires a lot of work from both of you because you're actually building the foundation for your relationship. My wife, um, she meets with this astrologer. He's he's amazing. Um, I don't know if I should say his name. I won't say his name, but he lives in New York City. He's on the National Astrology Council. He's, you know, he's he's a real deal. He's amazing. Uh, we we actually both meet with him, but she meets with him more often than I do. But I remember when we first started dating, she met with him to kind of look at the astrology of our relationship and see, you know, what what is it all about and, you know, what potential does it have and that kind of stuff. And he said something to her. That she shared with me, and and I think it really resonated with both of us, is he said, you know, you can't really make a decision about a relationship until you've been through all four seasons together. You know, until that point, like you don't really know what you're dealing with. You need to see someone in all different times of the year, and it's not just about different times of the year, but it's about spending that amount of time together. Seeing them not only in different seasons in the world, but different seasons in their life. Seeing how they deal with different things. Seeing how the two of you deal with different things together. Seeing how you confront challenges and work through them. You know, coming to the brink of breaking up, of calling it off, and then actually fighting for the relationship and coming back together. Like these are all very important aspects of building a conscious relationship. And I think one of the biggest things that causes relationships to fail is that they think they've gone from the discovery phase to the commitment phase. And then challenges start coming up and they go like, oh my God, this relationship isn't what I thought it was. And they're like, I can't do this. And they call it off. And like, you've really got to recognize that This is when you're doing the work to build the foundation for your long-term commitment. You know, my wife and I, during the discovery phase, or excuse me, during the building phase, and I've shared this many times, is that we almost broke up like 10, 15 times (laughs) because we were working stuff out. Right. And we weren't just like sugarcoating everything like, oh, it's all good. It's all wonderful. Like we were dealing with the reality of our situation and we were long distance and there was a lot of challenge in our first few years. And we were, you know, finding ways to be together and dealing with the discomfort and dealing with differences in lifestyle, like dealing with the fact that she went to bed at 10 a.m. and I stayed up till 1 a.m. And she's going, oh, my God, if we live together one day, like, how are we ever going to live in the same house? And like, these were the real life things that we were dealing with. And the fact that we loved each other, the fact that we cared about each other, the fact that we wanted this relationship, that didn't magically solve all these real life issues. Like, I mean, like, we just dealt with the fact that I was, oh, did I I say 10 (laughs) a.m.? I meant 10 PM. Um, that's funny. Thank you for correcting me love. My wife is on here. Everybody say hello to my wife. She's, um, she's chiming in and and supporting us in the conversation. (laughs) Thank you for catching that. Um, the, uh, what was I going to say? The fact that we loved and cared for each other and wanted this relationship, it didn't magically solve all of our problems. Right, it, it didn't magically just make it all better. Like we still had these issues that we had to work through. I mean, like you know, we were struggling. This is, I mean, it seems like a small thing, but it's not, right? Because we were struggling over the fact that I would snore when we would sleep together, and and then she's she's like, I got to get up for work at five thirty in the morning, and. And, um, like, I gotta get up for work at 5.30 in the morning and you're snoring all night and I can't sleep. Like, I don't know if I can do this for my whole life. Right? So these were, these were like just real life concerns. And, you know, obviously we worked through them. Obviously we found solutions. Obviously we're still together, but these were the things we were dealing with. And these were the, the things that we had to work through to figure out how to be together. Now I'm giving you some more, I'm giving you some more, um, What do I want to say, like external examples, right? Like snoring, like different sleep schedules, like different lifestyle things. Like, you know, I'm giving you some more external examples, but there were also internal things going on. Like, I don't know if I can trust this. I don't, you know, my, my history tells me that I can't trust relationships. My history tells me that I can't be vulnerable. Like, I, you know, I've built up all these defenses where I don't want to let you in on certain levels and like there, there were all this other stuff kind of going on that we also had to work through. And so all of this was part of us building the foundation for us to have the kind of relationship that we had today. Now, a lot of couples fall apart over these issues. Like, I can't tell you how many couples I've seen broken up because of the snoring thing. Like it and again, it sounds, it sounds like it's not a big deal until you're living it. And I've seen a lot of couples break up over that. And you know, my my wife, she got earplugs and I put like a thing on my nose, and we're like trying different things to try to make it work, right? And eventually somehow it evened out. But some people don't make it past that kind of stuff. Right, some people, their avoidance issues when it comes to being intimate with someone, when a relationship gets to certain levels, they just can't go there. They just like close off the intimacy and they're like, I won't go any deeper. So, like these are all the things that you confront during the discovery phase, or excuse me, during the building phase. And I want to say this is that when you're when you're operating when you're operating at a certain level of consciousness with all of this stuff, right? When you have a certain level of awareness and you've done a certain level of work on yourself, you are prepared to work through these issues. You, you know, like when you when you have awareness of your attachment style, for example, when you have awareness of your the ways that you avoid intimacy, when you have awareness of the ways that you try to protect or defend yourself and and you know like like all this different stuff when you have some awareness of these things beforehand you are better prepared to work with this in relationship with someone else but when you don't have awareness about any of these things beforehand and then they start coming up in a relationship with someone like the tendency is to freak out about it. The tendency is to go like, oh my God, this isn't what I thought it was and to like run. And so this is why, and I always say this, like my wife and I were both individuals who did a lot of work on ourselves before we met each other. And like, if you look at our relationships before each other, they were not this healthy. They were not this strong they didn't have this level of clarity. Like they, we weren't ready to do this kind of work, which is ultimately why one, we attracted other people who weren't ready to do this kind of work. And two, like ultimately, why the relationships didn't work out, right? Because we weren't ready to go there. The other people weren't ready to go there. And so the relationship didn't really have a chance. Yeah, there were maybe some great moments with the person. There were some euphoric experiences with the person. There was all of that stuff. But when push came to shove, The relationship didn't really have a chance because we were not prepared for it and we were not attracting people who were prepared for it. So the building phase, and I say the building phase is about a year long. Now of course, it could be a little shorter. Of course, it could also be a little longer, right? Now I would say my wife and I, we we exited the discovery phase pretty quickly because it was very easy for us to get clear on those criteria I mentioned. But our building phase lasted close to two years. And a big part of that was that we were long distance. right? So a lot of our relationship was happening over the phone, over FaceTime, on airplanes. We'd be together for two weeks and then apart for two weeks. right? So where other people, they might have moved in together faster, we didn't move in together until we'd been together for three years, almost exactly. Right? We started dating in October of 2016, and we moved in together in October of 2019, where we actually sold everything in my apartment, we packed up my Jeep, and we drove it all the way up the East Coast, and then I moved into her house in New Jersey, and then we were there for a few years through the pandemic and everything until we finally got the house we live in now. And so our, our building phase lasted a long time because we had a lot of work to do. And we had a lot of obstacles to overcome just logistically speaking. Like, when are we going to live together? How are we going to spend time together? You know, I had to rearrange my whole life to be able to spend two weeks a month in New Jersey. She had to rearrange her whole life to be able to spend 10 days a month in Florida. And there was a lot of time that we were like figuring all of that out. So because of all that, Like the building phase just dragged on for us for quite some time. I don't think, I don't think I proposed to her until we had been together for like two and a half years. Now, some people like propose after 18 months. And I think if if the relationship is at a place where it's ready for that, then that's that's great and that makes perfect sense. But you know, you've really gotta. You've really got to gauge the relationship based on where it is and the work you've been doing together. But let's say the discovery phase lasts about a year. Again, could last longer, could be shorter. But you want to spend, I really love what uh, my wife's astrologer, John, said, where, you know, you spend all four seasons with someone. You go through an entire year with them. You see them in all these different phases of their life you see how they deal with this situation, you know, how do they deal with their family? How do they deal with their friends? How do they show up for their commitments? Do they keep their word on a consistent basis? You know, do they, do they really put the work into the relationship day in and day out, month after month, or were they just making a good effort in the first couple months because they really liked you, but then the strong feelings wear off and, and then they're like, oh, you know, they just settle into complacency and they don't really make an effort anymore. Right. These are all the things that are revealed in the building phase. And what the building phase is really about is it's about creating trust. It's about creating trust in the relationship. Like, I can trust you. I know you have my back. I know that you are, like, I know that you are I'm going to say worthy of of my effort, of my time, of my attention, of my investment in this relationship, of my making accommodations for you. You know, like there are things that my wife and I don't particularly love about each other or the things each other do or the the way each other live. Like there are certain things that, you know, would not be our ideal, but what we found in our relationship is that our relationship is so good and there is so much good in our relationship and there is so much trust and we have such a strong foundation and there's so much love and commitment to each other that we can easily forgive those things. We can easily kind of let those things be, right? So that's all part of what happens in the building phase is like letting those things come up and working through those things. So. All of that being said, after you spend a significant amount of time with someone, these are things that you can't just figure out in the first few weeks or the first few months, right? These are things that get revealed as you get to see someone in all the different domains of their life. And as, as you spend a significant amount of time with someone, what starts to happen is you start to feel a deep safety in the relationship you start to feel a deep sense of trust in the relationship. You start to feel a a sense of like, I know this person has my back. I know I can rely on them. I know we have what it takes to work through the difficulties. I know we have what it takes to get through the hard times. I know we have what it takes to like compromise and understand each other and meet each other meet each other's needs and meet each other where we're at. Like I, I, I know we're able to do that and I trust that we can do that consistently for years and years to come because I've seen us do it time and time again in this first year or this first two years. And so because of that, I feel that I can really commit to you. I feel that I can really give you my whole heart. I'm not jumping into this commitment based on some euphoric feelings I have because you told me everything I want to hear and this relationship feels really good in these first few weeks we've been together. right? I'm not just basing it on the euphoria I have of this new attraction. But yes, there is that attraction. There is that you know, hot, passionate love. There is that deep intimacy there, but there's also a deep trust because of the work we've done together. And so from that place, that's when, that's when you say, let's move in together. Let's get married. Let's start a family. Let's build a dream, whatever, however else that dream might look like. Let's, let's, you know, remodel a van and travel the world or, or let, you know, like whatever it might be, but let's make those big life commitments together because we've done the work to see that we're ready for that. And so then you enter into the commitment phase. And the commitment phase is, I would say there's, it's easier. The commitment phase is easier than the building phase. Now, that's not to say you're not going to have challenges, okay? All couples have challenges. I mean, you know, like watching, we don't have kids yet, but watching a lot of our friends who are, you know, having kids now, it's like, man, like they're going through challenges, (laughs) like raising a child, right? When my wife was diagnosed with cancer and, and you know, she went through chemo and, and she went through um, just surgery and all of the stuff to to heal from the cancer. And then and then even her healing journey following all of that, it's like, okay, we got rid of the cancer. Now you actually got to heal all the damage that the treatment did. And this was like a, a period of like two years of our life that we were dealing with this, right? So like there was incredible challenge in that. So I'm not saying that the commitment phase is sunshine and rainbows all the time. Like, life is still life. And even in the commitment phase, you still confront incredible challenge sometimes. You still go to those, like, dark, scary places together sometimes. Sometimes. You know, when, when I look at some of our you know friends who are new parents and they're like, they haven't slept in the last six months and they're like exhausted and grumpy and aggravated all the time, right? Like, you know, like it's it's like there is challenge in that. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. But hopefully, hopefully by the time you're dealing with challenge on that level, you've developed a foundation in the relationship of trust where you really trust this person and and like, you you know, they have your back, you know, you can rely on them. You know that like, there's something solid there. There's something you can rely on. Like, like when you fall, they're going to catch you. And if you have that trust, then you can confront these major life challenges together that you go through in the commitment phase. With, with this deep feeling of safety and this deep feeling of assurance, this feeling that my person has my back, I can rely on them. They're not going anywhere. They're not going to abandon me. They're not going to get tired of me and just disappear. And like I want to share this because one of the most heartbreaking things that we learned and I know many of you in the audience have shared this with me is that you've been in this situation is that when my wife was going through her cancer treatments and she's in her support groups and we're, you know, we're looking at the things these women are going through, dealing with their treatments. And then it's like, I mean, you know, like even if you haven't been through it or seen someone go through it, like generally, you know how devastating this is like to go through these treatments. It's, it's one of the hardest things that anybody will ever go through in their lives. And then to think that on top of that, so many women are sharing that their boyfriends or husbands or partners left them while they were going through this treatment. And they're like, I just can't deal with this. And they just dip out on them. And it's like, I mean, look, it wasn't easy for me. Like it it would have been easier to just walk away and be like, I'm not dealing with this, but I could not imagine like like the person I love the most in the world, like leaving her in her weakest moment and being like, sorry, you got to go through this on your own. Like no matter how hard it was for me, like there was just, there was nothing in me that could ever imagine doing that. But I truly think the reason I felt that way was because of all the work we did to get to that place in our relationship. And if, if this was just, and you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say that I'm this kind of person, but like, you know, if this was just somebody that I didn't have that deep connection with, that I didn't have this deep intimacy and this deep commitment to, like I might have said like, look, this is this is not my battle, you know? And again, like that would really suck to leave someone in that position. But the the level of commitment that we had with each other And everything we had been through, like I would have never in a million years left her in that position. And this is why, you know, I I, I see the, I see why it's so important to not enter a commitment with someone lightly. Because as I said in, in the beginning of this, when you go into commitment with someone lightly, if you skip over all the work you need to do in between it's going to come back to bite you in the ass and like how many men and again like this is horrible behavior and and at this point like it's not even about it's not even about your commitment to the other person it's the commitment to your children right but like how many men walk out on their children walk out on their family they're like this is just too hard i can't deal with it like so many I have, I you know, I, I lead courses and groups with people all the time. And so many of the, of the women in my groups grew up without a father. Like lots and lots and lots of them, like probably the majority of them. And the reason is, is because he was never really committed. He got someone pregnant, but he was never really committed. And like, if you allow someone to like, I want to be careful about what I say here because I, I don't want to. If you, if you allow someone to like have a child with you, or to go into these deep phases of commitment with you, like if you marry someone, or like you make these big commitments to each other, but you haven't, you haven't done the work to have that person really earn that commitment with you. Like it's not a real commitment. It might look like a commitment on the surface, but when push comes to shove, you'll see how you'll see what that commitment is really made of. And you know, what I want to say here is especially for the ladies, because I know Like, men tend to be, and I'm going to generalize here, and of course there are exceptions to every rule, right? But I'm going to generalize here. Women tend to be more commitment-ready. And men tend to be more commitment-avoidant. And because of that, because that's the social, cultural dynamic that, you know, we're kind of dealing with here, a lot of women feel a sense of scarcity around commitment. And they feel that, it, that commitment is so scarce and it is so hard to, to come by that when they feel they have the opportunity for someone to commit to them, they give their commitment away so easily. And I just want to say for all the ladies, that is a big, big, big mistake because that's when you set yourself up to like, yeah, you might, you might be with someone for a few years. You might even marry them. But when push comes to shove, the commitment isn't real. And what, I, what I'm getting at here is that you want to recognize that your commitment is the most incredible gift that a man will ever receive. Like, I really want you, ladies, I really want you to get that. Your commitment, like you committing to him is the most incredible gift he will ever receive in his life. And you do not want to give that commitment away lightly. And I want to say a lot of men don't really understand that. And that's, that's just because they're not taught well, honestly. They're just not taught what a gift it is to have a great woman in their life and be committed to them. But a lot of men do not recognize that. And so I hate to say this, but it's the reality of the situation, is it's your job to teach him that. It's your job to let him know what a gift that commitment is. And what I wanna what I wanna say is you teach him that by by making him earn your commitment right? Like this is, this is one of the things my wife did beautifully with me. And, and like, I, I really did value her. I mean, I thought when I, and I still do think this, but when I was dating her, like, I thought this was the most amazing woman I had ever met in my life. And I thought like, man, like if this woman, like if I could marry a woman like this, like that's exactly what I'm looking for. And so like, I did value her commitment, but even, even still, she did not give it away easily. Like she, every step of the way, and she didn't play hard to get. So I don't, I don't want to misconstrue this here. My wife was very open-hearted. She was very authentic. She was very communicative. She was very, she was very much like, I like you. I like our relationship. I like the way you are with me. I like the way you treat me. I want this. You know, she wasn't like playing hard to get and making me chase her all over town. If she had done that, I would have lost interest because I, I didn't play that kind of game. But what she did do was she she made it very clear, like, yes, I like you. I like our relationship. I like the way you treat me. I like what we have here. I am very interested. I really want to see where this goes. But at the same time, she made it very clear that I was going to have to earn this relationship with her, that I was going to have to show up for her consistently. Like She was not an easy sell. And I want to say for all the ladies out there, don't be an easy sell. Don't give your commitment away so easily. Require a man to earn that commitment from you. Because by requiring him to earn that commitment from you, when you get to a place where you really do commit to him, where you really do give him your full heart, you know that his commitment is real. And, you know, like, I, like I, I acknowledge my wife for this because when she got to a place in her life where she had to go through her cancer treatment, she had a partner in her life that was truly, truly committed to her and the reason she had that was because of how she set up our relationship right she she required me to earn that commitment from her she was not an easy sell and and that like that gave me the opportunity to prove my worthiness to her and by worthiness i don't mean like prove that I'm enough for her, prove that I'm good enough, prove that I'm lovable enough. But like, what I'm saying is that prove that she could trust me, prove that she could rely on me, prove that I would be that rock that would show up for her time and time again, no matter what we were going through. And it's just, and I I would say like, I would say the same for men too. Like, but, but I, I think the difference is, is that men generally tend to give away their commitment more slowly whereas women often give it away very quickly and and i think both partners when you're entering into a conscious relationship both partners are kind of holding their commitment as like this sacred gift that it's like i'm not just going to give it away to anyone you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to make sure that you are the kind of person that I really, really, truly want to spend my life with. And only when I know that and feel that in the deepest ways, will I give my commitment over to you. And so, the discovery phase is really very little commitment, right? Very little expectation. We just have the freedom to get to know each other. And after you've been getting to know each other consistently for a period of about three months, you should have a sense of, do I have genuine interest in this person? Do I see real potential with this person? Do I want to honestly explore a long-term commitment with this person? And if both people say yes, you move into the building phase. This is when you go through all four seasons together. You experience all different aspects of life together. You confront your issues around intimacy and avoidance. You confront your differences in lifestyle. You confront your fears and your doubts and your insecurities. And you work through those together and you build trust. And after you've been doing that for a year or more, you get to a place where you really feel that I can trust this person that this person has my back, that they are my rock, that we can make it through anything together. And that's when you move into the deeper phases of commitment. It's when you get married, you get a home, you start a family, you start building a life together, building that life with your committed partner, your rock, the person you can trust, the person you can rely on, the person who has your back time and time and time again, no matter what you're going through. So this is the natural timeline of a conscious relationship. And so to put this in perspective, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with this. And I'm going to open up for some questions. But to put this in perspective, from the time you meet someone till the time you know you're going to be with them long term, you're looking at a period of one to two years, not one to two months. And I know some of you don't want to hear that because some of you are hoping that you're going to meet your person tomorrow and you're going to be riding off into the sunset three weeks from now. And like, I'm sorry to burst your bubble on that. I I really am. Like, I hate to be the bearer of this news, (laughs) but you know, you, you've got to, you've got to have realistic expectations and you've got to mentalize yourself for the work that actually goes in to building a conscious relationship with someone. Because if you don't, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna meet that person tomorrow, you're gonna be riding off into the sunset three weeks from now, two months from now, you're gonna ride off of a cliff into the sunset, you're gonna crash and burn, you're gonna be disillusioned and you're gonna start over from scratch. And if you don't learn from this and start a new approach, you're gonna do that again and you're gonna do it again and you're gonna do it again and you're gonna do it again and And each time you're gonna become more hopeless, you're, you're gonna become more disillusioned. You're gonna become more cynical. You're gonna start saying things like there are no good men out there or, or all women are manipulative and you know you can't trust anyone. And, and you're gonna you're gonna start developing all these limiting beliefs about love. Your protections are gonna become strong, like right. So, like all of this, all of this kind of relational dysfunction is a result of you not being. Conscious of what really goes into building a conscious relationship with someone. Of you not being present to that and having that realistic expectation. So the last thing I want to say on this, because I I know I, I hear it in the way people speak about it is that people think commitment is a very black and white thing. That one day I don't have it, and then the next day I do have it, and once I have it, I'm good, right? Like, that's that's kind of the way we think about it. And and we're all trying to just get it, right? So it's like, I just gotta do whatever I gotta to do to get commitment, once I have it, I'll be good. And I, I just wanna say that, you know, when I look back on my relationship with my wife, There was no one moment where we didn't have commitment and then we had it. There was no like one day to the next, we were not in a relationship and then we were. Our relationship has been a continuous unfolding and deepening from the moment we met. And there was no moment when it's like we weren't and then we were. Right. There there was a moment when we had a conversation about we're not going to see other people. Right. And that was when we started sleeping together regularly and and we were like, okay, you know, we're we're not going to see other people because we're being physical together and we're doing it on a regular basis. And, you know, we're going to keep this, what we're sharing, sacred between us. So there was that conversation. But that conversation didn't fundamentally change our relationship. It was just a deepening of the relationship that we already had we had a conversation about, you know, are we going to be boyfriend, girlfriend? Right. But that conversation wasn't, we didn't have it. And then we did, it was just a deepening of what we already had. You know, there was a conversation about like, we're going to get married. But again, that was just an extension of what we were already building. And the reason I'm sharing this is because I want you to get out of the mentality that you're, that you're going to go from uncertainty to certainty. That you're going to go from one day we're not together to the next day we are, and now we're good. Like, look, our relationship was uncertain for, like, really a, a solid year. We didn't know if we were going to be together. And I would say today, today in our relationship, we have a very, very strong certainty we have a very, very strong trust that we we're gonna, that we going to be together. I don't think there's anything in either of us that wonders if the person is going to leave or not. Like, like we feel very safe and very secure in this relationship. But that is not something that happened from one day to the next. That is something that happened as a gradual unfolding over time and us continuing to build on it. And what I want to say about this, and this is going to be the last thing I say here, is that that certainty and that security that you're looking for you can't look for that from another person. You have to find it within yourself. And what I want to say is, in all the uncertain times, you know, like my wife and I had a lot of conversations in the first year of our relationship when we genuinely thought we were going to break up. There were times when we verbally did break up. And then we ended up saying, talking the next day and saying, OK, maybe we were a little rash. Maybe we maybe we don't want to do this. And, you know, we came back together, right? But there were times when we actually did break up. And what led us to the safety and security we have in our relationship today was both of us being secure enough within ourselves through all of those challenges, through all of those times when we thought we were going to break up. We were secure enough within ourselves that we were able to navigate that from a secure and confident place. And so the security that we have in our relationship today is not something the other person gave us. It's something that showed up as a reflection of our own internal security being brought to this relationship time and time and time and time again. Through every challenge, through long distance, through not seeing each other, through wanting to break up, through getting back together, through confronting difficult conversations, through going through all the stuff together, through going through cancer together, right? It was, it was a, a building of us bringing our internal security to each of these situations that eventually over time became reflected in a rock solid relationship but it is not something the other person gave us. It is something that each of us brought to the relationship. And if each of us had not brought this to the relationship, we would not have it today. And so what I really want you to understand is that so much of this, so much of building a conscious relationship is not about finding someone else who's gonna make your dreams come true. It's about you being empowered within your own worth and navigating the complexities of a new relationship consciously and bringing it to a place of solid like trust and commitment through the work that you both put in. And, and this, I know I've said this a few times, but this is really going to be the last thing I say. I think so many relationships that break up could stay together and ultimately get to this place if both partners were operating from this place. And I think what happens a lot of times is our fears and our insecurities and our need to lock it down and our unwillingness to live in the gray area and, and explore that gray area consciously is what destroys a relationship, is what prevents it from getting into these deepest levels of commitment. And so um, with that, I'm going to open up for some questions. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen quite a few questions coming in here. So I'm just going to take a moment. Please stay with me while I just scroll through. I'm going to look at some of these questions and figure out where we want to start. This question is from Miriam Zah. And she says, when in a long distance relationship in the first three months, excuse me, do I let him know I'm dating other people when he asks? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say never lie about anything ever. Like there's, there's no justification for lying. I mean like if with everything we've been talking about here right like this this whole conversation I've been talking about is about building a foundation for trust building a foundation for that person to be your rock solid partner you know building a foundation for you to be able to rely on that person no matter what and if you start by lying I mean like you're you're screwing yourself in the relationship from the start so never lie about anything now this is what this is what I would I would say is if you are dating other people then he might hold let, let me think about this for a second if you're dating other people then you would need to figure out, what it would take for you to not want to date other people right so and I would actually have that conversation with him but also you would need to you would need to ask yourself, do you really want to have this conversation with him? right so and, and the conversation I'm going to say is this right like I am dating other people but I would ultimately like to get to a place where I'm just dating you. And this is what I would want to feel or see in this relationship in order for me to feel like I'm ready for that. So that's the conversation I would have with him. Is like, yes, I am dating other people. And, you know, if you and I got to a certain place, I would be willing to stop dating other people. So I wouldn't just be like, yeah, I'm dating other people and, you know, good luck with that, right? Because then he's probably just going to lose interest right he's probably just going to be like okay we're long distance she's dating other people she's probably just going to go with one of the people who are close and you know so so if you're if you're dating someone long distance but also dating other people my question would be why are you keeping this long distance person around is it because you genuinely feel that there is some real potential there and if so if you genuinely feel that then why are you keeping these other people around? Is it because you also genuinely feel there's real potential with them? Or is it because the long distance thing feels uncertain and you want to keep a backup in case it doesn't work out? Right, so because you're gonna, a lot of times when someone is dating Let me put it this way, there are really two kinds of dating other people. There are really two kinds of dating other people. The first kind is I don't really have a strong interest in anyone, and I'm just dating around because I haven't really met anyone I really like yet, right? And that is totally, totally normal, totally okay. I would say that is actually advisable, right? If you haven't met anyone that you have a really strong connection with, then like, yeah, date as many people as you can but when you meet someone that you feel you have a really strong connection with and there is a sincere interest and in, in like you actually like you're only thinking about that person you're not really even thinking about the other people you're just keeping the other people on as like a backup like well if this doesn't work out i at least want to have a backup that is that is what i would say is more of a blockage to love than something that's really serving you. So my my question for you would be, are all three of these people just people you're talking to and you're not really, I I said three people, I, I I guess I made up in my mind that there were two people in person and one person long distance, but I totally made that up. That's not what you said. But, um, but let's just say, for example, you know, there's one person long distance and two people that are, you know, within your vicinity. Are all three of these people just people that you don't really have that strong of an interest in, and you're just getting to know them because you haven't really found a strong connection with someone yet? Or are you really strongly interested in one of them? One of them is occupying your thoughts, one of them is occupying your attention, and you're just keeping the others around as a backup. If it's the first one, then I would say, date these people until one of them starts to become a stronger interest or if none of them become a stronger interest within a reasonable amount of time just let them go because you're wasting both of your time if one of them is a stronger interest and the other two are just backups well then let the backups go and authentically explore that stronger interest because all these strategies of, like, trying to keep yourself safe, trying to make sure you're not left without someone, trying, like, you know, if, the, if, if I'm really into this person and this person breaks my heart, well, at least I have a backup over here that I can run to. I mean, that is all very dishonoring and disrespectful. And contextually, it's not the, it's not the environment that creates authentic connection. It's not the environment that creates authentic love right? Like when you're using someone as a backup, you're disrespecting that person. If that person is not a sincere interest for you, then let them go. And you might think you have the upper hand. You might think, well, I have one person I'm really interested in and I have these two backups. So I'm good. No matter what happens, I'm good. And it's like, well, you're not really good because the very approach that you have in dating is dishonest and manipulative. And like, Because that's the energetic environment that you're bringing to the dating world, that's what you're going to create around you. That's what you're going to attract. Those are the kinds of relationships you're going to end up in. So you might think you have the upper hand, but you really don't. Right? So again, if all three of these people are people that you don't really have a strong interest in, then keep seeing them until one of them do, until one of them does develop a stronger interest if none of them develop a stronger interest, let them all go. Like get in the habit, get in the habit of getting to know someone, finding out if you're sincerely interested in them, and if not, letting them go. Like I'll have clients come to me sometimes and they'll have conversations going with like 10 different guys that they've been talking to on dating apps, none of these relationships are going anywhere and they're just wasting time because they don't want to feel like they have nothing going on. And I'm like, oh my God, you would be so much better to have nothing going on and be spending all your time engaged in things that are actually meaningful to you than you are wasting all your time engaging in these conversations that are going nowhere. And like the reason we don't do that is because we're so afraid. We're so afraid to be left without. We're so afraid to not have anybody to talk to. We're so afraid to not have any romantic interest in our life. I was, I was paused due to poor connection. I'm back now. Um, we're so afraid to not have anything going on, to have that lack of engagement or interest in our life. And like I, I just want to tell you, like you've got to outgrow that fear. You've gotta have enough worth and value that if if somebody is not a strong interest for you, that you don't just keep them around just to keep yourself busy. Like you've gotta have enough worth and value that when you have no romantic interest in your life, there's enough other great stuff going on that it's okay. Like I remember being single and there were a lot of times as a single person that I had zero romantic interest. Or it would be like I was talking to someone that I liked and we would go out on a first date and it wouldn't go anywhere from there. And like there was just all this space in my life that I wasn't actively seeing or talking to anyone. And let me tell you, I was busy. I was busy doing things that I loved, hanging out with cool people, having a lot of fun, doing a lot of cool stuff. And all the time I was meeting new people. So everywhere I would go, I would meet women. And, and if, I, if I was attracted, I'd be like, hey, can I have your number? And I'd call and I'd text. And, and 99% of the time, that would never go anywhere. And like when I was younger and I was more insecure, that would bother me. But as I got older and I got more grounded and confident in myself, like it didn't bother me anymore. And this is what I coach and this is what I teach. I'm like, all the stuff that we overreact to and like our fear of rejection and our fear of them not liking us, like it's all a mental hype. It really does not have to be that way. It it really can be. Like, oh, you're not interested? Awesome. I wish you the best. And like and we can walk away with a smile and feel totally good about ourselves. And if you're if you're clinging on to like having backups or talking to all these people just because you're afraid to feel that, like what I want to say is you're avoiding your own healing. You're avoiding getting to that place of confidence within yourself where you could let it all go and be totally okay. And I want to say, like, if you want to create a really solid, conscious relationship, you should make it a priority to get to that place. Like, you should make it a priority to feel totally okay even if you're not talking to anyone. And have enough awesomeness in your life that you feel very fulfilled. And of course, you might have moments of loneliness. You might have moments of like, I wish someone was here and there's nobody here. And those are those moments when like, what I teach my clients is you just gotta hold yourself. You just gotta love yourself through that moment. You just gotta say, it's okay, it's coming, it's on its way and I'm happy now. And I feel the loneliness and I love myself through it and it's okay. And I had those moments too, but those moments did not define my life. My life was defined by being awesome. And I suggest you define your life by being awesome in whatever that means to you. And what's gonna happen is somebody's gonna see you out there living your life being awesome, and they're gonna want some of that awesomeness in their life. So prioritize that. And I, I know I got off on a tangent there about the question. So, going back to the question, should you tell him yes? And if you're sincerely interested in him, tell him, listen, I am dating other people, but honestly, I would like to date just you. And, you know, for me to get to that place, like, this is what I would want to see in our relationship. How does that sound to you? And see where that goes, see how he responds to that. So, I hope I answered the question. I know I got off on a tangent there, but it's all related. And this is important stuff. So thank you for the question, Mariam, and a beautiful question. All right, let's see what else we got here. we get to as many questions as I can. Um, okay, here's another good question from Bella Zima. And Bella Zima, I know you're you're always on here with me and it's always great to see you. So thanks for coming back every week. Um, Bella Zima says, can a real relationship work if you haven't healed your core wounds? Well, this is what I'll say, is there's there's a certain degree of healing that you can do on your own, and there's a certain degree of healing that you can only do in relationship with other people. And, and I'll say this too, like. There's, there's a certain degree of healing that I did on my own, right? Like reading books, meditating, doing breath work, going to conferences and seminars and working with coaches and like just really diving into personal development. Like there's a certain degree of healing that I did on my own without any help from anyone else other than like teachers and authors and mentors and things like that. Then there's a certain degree of healing I did while dating, And this is like learning to be okay with rejection, learning to be okay with that person not calling or texting on a regular basis, right? I've often shared the story of when I was in an open relationship with this girl and how, you know, we would share this amazing weekend together and it would be like my dream, like, oh my God, everything I ever wanted in a relationship, I experienced it this weekend. And then she would disappear for a month and we wouldn't talk. And she would be seeing other men and living her life and doing whatever she was. And this was the agreement we had, right? Was we had this open relationship where we could share these experiences together, but these experiences didn't imply a a longer, more long-term connection, right? We were just having this open relationship and this was something we both agreed to. And that was a huge growth for me, right? In learning to be able to have these experiences and then let them go without attachment. Right? Which that, I mean, like, I'm not saying you need to go be in an open relationship. You can do that without being in an open relationship, but you need to be able to learn to date somebody, to share some intimacy with them. I'm not necessarily talking about sexual intimacy, although that that could be a part of it, but you need to get comfortable, you know, having connection with another human being, feeling the kinds of things you want to feel in a relationship with someone, And then being able to release that without attachment. You know, my wife and I have an agreement in our relationship to this day. And the agreement is that if this relationship is not making you happy or fulfilling you, then you need to go. That's an agreement we've had from the beginning, from day one, and we've carried it all all throughout. And like, it takes a very secure person to be able to say that to your partner. But my wife and I are both very secure people. And of course, if either of us actually got to that place, it would be devastating. I mean, we would be crushed. Like we would, you know, if my wife came to me today and she said, listen, this relationship is just not making me happy. I'm not fulfilled in it. I do not want this anymore. Like I would be devastated by that. And I would grieve the relationship. I would go through a very intense grieving process. I would shed a lot of tears. I would I would spend a lot of time in therapy. I'd probably do a lot of plant medicine and like all this stuff, right? But, but I would be okay. And I am 100% confident in myself that I would be okay, that I would grieve it, and that my life would go on. And you need to have that. You really need to have that. You need to have that confidence in yourself. If, if you feel that if your partner left, you just couldn't, life, like you couldn't go on, you're in big trouble because your partner could leave and not even because they don't like the relationship. I mean, I was, I was talking to someone yesterday and they were telling me about how uh, this guy was on uh, his a honeymoon with his wife in Italy and his wife stepped off the curb and got hit by a bus. And I mean, this is horrible, right? But this is the world we live in. These things happen. And like you, you need to, to have that strength within yourself. Like that, that is important. So, going back to what I was saying, is there's a certain degree of healing you can do on your own without anyone else. Then there's a certain degree of healing that you do in relationship with other people, maybe while you're dating, maybe spending time with someone. Maybe, you know, going on several dates with someone and becoming emotionally involved with them. And then they ghost you, right? And you go, Oh my God, I can't stand getting ghosted. Well, let me tell you, there's some really valuable experience in that because that person who ghosted you, what they're teaching you is this. They're teaching you that you don't need me. They're teaching you that you can be okay without me, that it is okay to feel something and then feel a loss of that thing and that you are still okay. And that person who ghosted you, and yeah, maybe they're a jerk, maybe they're an asshole, maybe they're inconsiderate, maybe they're a narcissist, but you know what? They're teaching you some valuable lessons. And it's important that, that rather than resisting those lessons and going, oh my God, what an asshole, I can't believe he would do that, right? Instead of doing that, you actually go, oh, let me feel this. Let me heal through this experience. Let me get to know myself better through this experience. Let me find my strength within this experience. Let me bring more of my strength from within myself out into the world as a result of this experience. And that's healing, right? So there's a certain degree of healing that you do going through those kinds of situations. And then maybe you find a committed partner. Like I would say my wife and I, there was a a lot of healing that was done in our first year together, right? I remember my wife would often say to me, she's like, this relationship is so healing for me because every time we go to places that I think we can't come back from, every time I think we're going to break up or every time I think we have differences that are just too extreme and we can never reconcile them, we come together and we work through that. And she's like, the process of just doing that is so healing for me, right? So there was a certain degree of healing that happened even in like that first year together. But I would say that even the healing that happened in our first year together, which was immense for both of us and and important for both of us, that, that is nothing compared to the healing that we've done I would say like her cancer was huge in terms of both of our healing. It was just, it was like a ceremony that went on for a year and it was, it was some of the most intense things that either of us had ever been through. And so much healing took place in that. And even in our life now, buying a house, raising a puppy, getting ready to start a family, like, like all of this has had so many healing elements So to go back to the question, Belazima's question is, can a real relationship work if you haven't healed your core wounds? I think you need to heal to a large degree to be ready for a relationship. And that's going to happen while you're single, doing the personal development work, doing therapy, doing programs like my Inspired Love program, which is very aimed at my Inspired Love program Is very much aimed at doing the healing work to be ready for a relationship, right? So it's specifically targeted towards everything you need to do to be ready to enter a conscious relationship. That's what the Inspired Love Program is about. But then, you know, once you get to that place where you've done a lot of the work that you can do on your own, you're gonna go into another level of healing in in being very intimate with someone, in, in entering those deepest levels of intimacy and what i would say to the question is that if you have not done that healing work that's kind of a prerequisite for getting into a relationship then you're not going to be able to do the deeper work when you're in the relationship and this is why like i shared earlier a lot of a lot of men walked out on their wives while they were going through cancer treatment why because all of a sudden it got too real and i'm just not ready for that like i'm not I'm not able to go to those deepest places with you. Like I only wanted this relationship when it looked good on paper. I only wanted this relationship when, you know, you had all your hair and and everything was like good. But now that it's not looking so good on paper, I'm not ready for all this. Why? Because, Because I haven't gone to those darkest, deepest places in myself. And so I'm not ready to go there with you either. So like, and what happens is, if you haven't done that deeper healing work on yourself before getting into a relationship, then your relationship is going to be one of two things. It's either going to divorce or, or separate or break up, which the, the modern thing is to walk away. We, we live in an individualist culture now where it's all about me and what I want, my happiness and my fulfillment. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. There There's a lot of that that's really healthy. Because for for a lot of history, you weren't allowed to be an individual. You were just part of the family or part of the society, and you had no identity as an individual. So this individualist society that we live in was actually an important part of our collective healing. But, you know, now we just get divorced. Now we just walk away. The way it used to happen when divorce was not an acceptable thing, you know, it was like you marry someone and you stick with them no matter what and people just would stay together no matter what. It wasn't that these people all had great, deep healing relationships, but it was just that they they closed off the intimacy and they just stayed together. You know, a lot of you, if you look at your parents or your grandparents, you know, they never got divorced because divorce just wasn't something they did in their culture. But you can also recognize that they don't really have like a deep love and intimacy with each other. Some of them might, and, you know, I look at some older couples and I'm like, man, like those people are really in love and they've really been in love and they've really cared for each other. But I look at some other older couples and I'm like, man, these people freaking hate each other. It's like, they just can't stand each other. They're just like, they're just at each other's throats and they bicker and they fight. And they're they're like, yeah, shut up, you old bat. And like, You know, so what happens when you don't do the healing work before a relationship is that you're either going to get divorced and separate or you're going to just stick with it, but you're going to close down the intimacy and never really connect with each other on a deep way. And you become more like roommates. And these are the situations where people end up cheating. Like these are the situations where people end up. um, I mean, cheating is is a big thing that happens Uh, and just, you know, porn addiction and like all the, all the kinds of stuff. Like that's, That's a lot of what happens in relationships where the healing work is not being done, and the intimacy has just closed down, and maybe we stay together for the kids, or we stay together for the family, or we stay together because divorce is too expensive, right? But we don't really have a relationship with each other. We're just kind of roommates coexisting in life together. And so to go back to your question, Velazima, yes, there is a large degree of healing work that you need to do before you get into a relationship. And that will prepare you to do the healing work that the relationship will call you into. And my experience with my wife is that it just keeps getting deeper. Like there's really no bottom. It's like, you know, I think about where we were when I proposed to her. And I thought we were really connected then. I thought we had an amazing relationship back then. but. I look at that compared to where we are now, and I'm like, oh my God, we barely knew each other. It's funny to say that, to think like we barely knew each other when I was asking her to marry me. And we've been together for two years at that time. But it's true. Like we were, compared to how we know each other now, we barely knew each other. And I imagine five years from now, I'll look back at where we are now and go, oh my God, we barely knew each other. Because I think that is what intimacy is. It just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And to be able to go to those deeper levels of intimacy, you have to be a pretty conscious individual. You have to do a good amount of healing work. Because if not, you'll just be too afraid to go there. So that is that is my answer. Uh, great question. And thank you so much for the question, Belizima. This is from Jose and Diary. Question is, initiating physical contact and intimacy will create strong bonds via oxytocin and the people become pretty attached and committed. How to deal with that in the discovery phase? Beautiful question. Because this is real, right? I mean, most of you probably know, and actually it's, it's a little bit, it, the, the, the hormones released during, during sexual contact are, are a little bit different for men and women. And I'm not going to get into all that right now. It's going to, it's going to take us in a different direction. But let's just, let's just say that um, women in particular are likely to feel very, very close to someone after they sleep with them. Men, sometimes, but not always. And the, the hormonal responses are different for men and women. But let's, just, let's speak about women because mostly who we're speaking to today. So there's a tendency... After you sleep with someone or you're physically intimate with them, it does release oxytocin, which is a chemical linked to bonding and linked to, you know, trust and deep feelings of intimacy. And it creates the experience that you're very close to someone and you know someone very well when you really don't. And it kind of makes you cling and attach and want more. And that's very normal. And this is, again, like biologically speaking, this is all part of, this is all part of like, survival of our species, right? Like we need to feel these things and we need to have these experiences in order to perpetuate our species. So it's normal and it's nothing to feel shame about. It's nothing to like try to act cool about or pretend like it's not happening. But it is something to be aware of and know how to work with it. Now, first thing I would say, is that one of the best ways to do this is to take it slowly in terms of physical contact, right? And I'm not one who says like, you need to wait three months or you need to like hold out on them. Like, I'm not one to say that. I I think, I think it's very natural and very normal when you're entering into a relationship with someone and you feel like it's going to go somewhere to want to be physical with them. And I think, you know you you really it's okay to go there without waiting too long but i think waiting something like 6 weeks is a good amount of time i think waiting even a month is a good amount of time um and it's it's not about it's not about i'm going to wait until i know that this is going to last forever obviously if you've been listening to today's discussion you're not going to know that it's going to last forever in a month or 6 weeks but what you can discover in a month or six weeks is someone's intentions, right? So like if you're, if you're talking and texting on a weekly basis, like I often share that my wife and I, I think we slept together for the first time after about three or four weeks. And that's pretty soon, pretty early on. But let me also share this. We were speaking on the phone every single night often for hours. Okay, so we spent one weekend together. And then she went home for three weeks to New Jersey. And I called her every single night for three weeks straight. And we talked every single night for hours. And then she came back down to Florida. And it was during that next weekend that we ended up sleeping together for the first time. So it was somewhere between three and four weeks. But again, This was like us having really deep conversations every single night, talking for hours, really getting to know each other in a strong way. So I would say like what you want to do again, and and we didn't know at that time, it wasn't like, okay, we know we're going to be together, so we're ready to do this. No, it was like, we don't know we're going to be together, but we feel like we've established enough in this relationship. And there's a degree of trust and a degree of recognition of who this person is and how they are that we are willing to go there together, right? So of course, there was totally the possibility that a week from then we would have said, like, this isn't working and we don't want this anymore. And we both went into that knowing that that was a possibility. So it wasn't like this expectation changed everything. Now that we slept together, it changed everything. It wasn't like that, but it but it was like we knew each other enough. We knew the quality of the human being that we were with that we felt safe and okay about going there together. So that's the first thing. I would say like get to know that person well enough that you feel safe and okay about going there with them. That even if the relationship doesn't go somewhere, you will have still felt okay about sharing that experience with them because you like appreciate and respect the human being that they are. That's the first thing. The second thing is to be aware that when you go there with someone, it is going to activate a lot of feelings. And again, these are as the, as the question is asking, these are hormonal responses, they're tied to the survival of our species, they're very real, we all experience them. Be aware that that is gonna happen, and don't make that mean more than it does. So don't go saying this person is your soulmate just because you're having a hormonal response to, being, to having sex with them, right? Like, that's, that's foolish to do that. So you wanna be aware that that is gonna happen, You wanna feel all of those responses. You wanna not make any strong decisions while you're feeling those responses. And here's the thing about those responses. They come and they go. So one of the best things you can do is if you sleep with someone, take a few days to yourself afterwards. Right, instead of just you know, I think what happens to a lot of people is they start sleeping together and they sleep together every single day for months. And then before they know it, they're they're in a really intense relationship, but they have no foundation for that relationship other than sex, right? It's like literally the only thing they have. And they feel like they're in love and they feel like they have this deep relationship, but really all they have is sex. So if if you do choose to sleep with someone, It would be advisable to take a few days to yourself afterwards and let yourself come down from that high and let yourself feel into how you feel about the relationship without those hormones being activated, right? Like that would be a great practice. Feel into yourself, right? like Make a commitment to yourself that I'm not going to give this person all my commitment just because we slept together. Yes, I'm making a conscious choice to go there with this person. I'm opening my, I'm choosing to like open myself up to intimacy with this person on that level. And I'm I'm not, I'm not diminishing the value of that, right? I'm not saying, oh, it's just sex. It doesn't mean anything. No, it means a lot. I'm not diminishing that. But, but I'm saying, don't, don't go so far as to say, I'm going to give over all my commitment just because I slept with this person right? So take some distance, take some space to feel yourself without the presence of that person. Get grounded, right? Like this is all, these are all parts of being conscious, approaching a relationship consciously, not letting all your feelings direct the relationship for you. Yes, you have your feelings. Yes, your feelings are valid. Yes, they should be felt completely. They should be processed fully. You should be in touch with them and aware of them. But they are not running the show. You are running the show from an intelligent, grounded, and conscious place. Right? And this is like in the Inspired Love program, this is one of the biggest things I teach people to do. Right? Is to feel all of it to be deeply in touch with everything that you're feeling, but in the midst of all of that, to stay grounded and connected to your truth, one of the biggest skills you will ever learn in your life. So in, in the question, I would say, one, don't go there with someone until you feel that you like have enough respect and appreciation for who this human being is that even if it doesn't go anywhere after that, that you will still value having shared that experience with them, right? Like get to know the person well enough to feel that way before you become sexual with them. And then the second thing is after you're sexual with them, take some space to yourself to really get grounded in your experience and feel all of it before you start moving forward in the relationship. And I'd say, you know, maybe even, like my wife and I did this naturally because we were long distance. So we would spend a weekend together and then we would be apart for a few months, or not a few months, but a few weeks. We were actually really good about spending physical time together, but we would be apart for several weeks at a time. So it was like we would have a weekend together, we would sleep together, we would share lots of intimacy, and then we would be apart. And yes, we would talk and we would connect, but we would need to feel through our experience without that other person being there. So um, if you're not long distance and that's not happening naturally, you could communicate about that. And you could just say, listen, let's spend a weekend together. But after that, I want to spend a few days by myself just because I want to feel into my experience. And and look, your, your mind is going to crave that person. Your mind is going to crave that experience. And so there's gonna, be a, there's gonna be a tendency to want to just go back to that person. And I would say that's where you wanna have a commitment to yourself to say that, I'm not just gonna go running back to that person because I feel like it. And it's okay, like you can go back to that person, but make like that commitment to yourself that I'm gonna take a day, or I'm gonna take a couple of days. I'm not just gonna go running back to that person every single day, but I'm gonna take a day or a couple of days to ground myself in my experience and feel through my experience and get in touch with what I'm feeling and how I'm feeling before I go back to that person. And this will allow you to stay conscious in the relationship every step of the way. Great question. And this is a big one, very big one. So thank you for the question. It's a beautiful, beautiful question. Okay, last question. I'm going to answer this one quickly because we're coming up on two hours here. I know some of you who listen to my podcast, you must be like, oh my God, two hours. Uh, we're, but we're, we're coming up on, on the end here. I'm going to answer this question quickly. question is, how do you move to a more secure attachment style? And what I want to say, it's actually very much similar to what I was just talking about, about taking that space, taking that day or that couple of days to really ground yourself and sit with your experience, right? That is how you develop a more secure attachment style. It's by not just going deeper and deeper into whatever you're feeling, but actually taking a moment to pause. Feel what you're feeling completely. Let the feelings move through you. So some of you, if you're more of an anxious attachment, you're feeling a need to attach more and more. Like, I want more, come closer to me, give me more. Some of you, if you're a more avoidant attachment, you're like, I need some space. Give me some space, get away, right? If you're a disorganized attachment, you might vacillate between these two in, in a kind of erratic way, right? It might seem unpredictable or extreme. You might kind of dance, damp- you might move between, I want you close, I want you close, now get away from me. But regardless of what attachment style you have, and, and they're all perfectly fine, we we all, you know, we're all a mix of these things. Regardless of what attachment style you have, the goal is to become more securely attached over time right a secure attachment is like a healthy attachment and you do that by sitting with your experience feeling through it getting grounded within it and moving to the other side so like i was just saying take a couple of days right instead of going right back to that person like give me more 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 you say hold on let me just take a breather let me take some space let me relax let me just let me be with what i'm feeling I see myself clinging to that person. I feel my desperation. I feel my fear. I see myself wondering, is this going to go anywhere? All the the thoughts and all the stuff, right? And rather than just giving into all of that and letting that run you and letting that make your decisions for you, you sit with it, you feel through it, you observe it, and you get grounded within it. And then once you feel a little more grounded, you make your decisions from that secure, grounded place. Okay? That is how you create a more secure attachment style. It's a practice. It's a practice of being aware of what's happening within you. What am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? How am I feeling it? What am I thinking? What are my thoughts telling me to do? And rather than just being in a reaction to all of that, you actually give it space to be there and feel your way through it, get grounded with the experience, move into a secure, grounded place, and then make your decisions from that place moving forward. The more comfortable you get moving from your extreme attachment, whether it's anxious or avoidant or disorganized, coming back into the secure place, the more you practice that, the more you develop that, the more it will become second nature for you. The more it will become second nature and the more you will naturally go there. Right. The more you will just naturally move in to that secure, grounded place. So it it does. This is why I say you, you you develop a secure attachment style, because it actually gets to the point when you practice this enough that you no longer are predominantly anxious or avoidant or disorganized. You may have elements of that that surface from time to time. But your dominant attachment style does become secure. And it's a practice like anything else. You know it's it's not something it's not something that you can do just by reading a book or going to a class. It requires you to actually be present to your experience in the moment, whatever might be happening in your life, and get in touch with that and ground yourself within that. All right, beautiful questions today. Um, thank you so much. I, I've seen so many of you dropping questions and just great comments, and I just so much appreciate all of you being with me. So, Um, thank you so much for being with me today, sending you lots of love, best wishes to your life and love in, in all domains. And, um, I hope you find everything you're looking for and all your dreams come true. So thank you so much for being with me today. This is the Conscious Love Show podcast. You can find it on all major, uh, you can find it on all major podcast platforms. And last thing I want to say real quick is that I will not be live next week. So I will be um, I will be on vacation next week but what I am releasing and you won't see this live on Instagram but you will be able to find it if you go um, if you go to the podcast and download the episode um I'm releasing my interview with Ishmael Gomez um, some of you may know him on Instagram as save the messenger Ishmael is just this awesome man he's he's really really incredible very deep very heartfelt very kind, Um, you know, I I just I'm so impressed by his love and his sincerity and his wisdom and his commitment to like really serving women. I I really I'm so touched by how much he loves and has this sincere heartfelt desire to really serve women and see women really win and succeed in their relationships. So um, that's why I wanted to interview him and he'll be on my podcast next week Again, his name is Save the Messenger on Instagram, Ishmael Gomez, and um, if you don't follow him already, please do, and definitely go download next week's episode so you can catch my interview with him. It's going to be awesome, and um, I'll see you back here live on Instagram in two weeks. Lots of love, everybody, and we'll see you back here in a couple weeks. Take care. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the living relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.